There's at least three main attachment styles. So this comes from a book called Attached, which has all the research on this and shows how attachment styles show up in our relationships that are based on our early childhood development and our relationship with our caretakers. The book is called Attached, and I definitely recommend reading it if this is something that interests you. And it's something that I've found fascinating, and it's something I'm going to talk about a lot today on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. This episode is all about aparigraha, or healthy non-attachment in our thoughts, relationships, outcomes, and really every aspect of our lives. This is the fifth yama of the yoga philosophy of the eight limbs of yoga. So there's the yamas, and then the niyamas, and then the next steps of the eight limbs of yoga. And the yamas, there's five of them. The niyamas, there's five of those. And they're essentially the do's and don'ts. First are the don'ts, the things we don't do. So we've covered these so far in this series. Ahimsa, non-harming. There's satya, telling the truth. Asteya, non-stealing. And brahmacharya is essentially not wasting your energy. So not harming, not lying, not stealing, not wasting your energy, and now non-attachment. So being able to let go of the outcome, let go of control, and trust in a higher power, which we'll talk much more about in five episodes from now when we get to Ishvari Pranidhana, the last Niyama. So uh, Aparigraha, how to have healthy non-attachment in thoughts, relationships, and outcomes. It's the subject of today's episode. And if you want to check out the book Attached, it talks about the three main attachment styles of secure, avoidant, and anxious. So often in the yoga world and yoga realm, there's a sort of caricature or stereotype of the yogi who is detached. And this is the sort of avoidant attachment style that comes again from that book Attached and that research. So the avoidant attachment style is often what we think of with like the yogi who has eschewed responsibilities and just maybe gone off to live in a van and travel the world or uh, maybe is somebody who's irresponsible and they are unreliable, they're constantly late, they are constantly changing their life and moving around and just kind of free spirit, uh, but maybe like not paying their taxes, not taking care of themselves not taking care of their family. Maybe they have uh, broken relationships, you know, all these sort of detached, avoidant sort of qualities. They don't pay their bills. These sort of things uh, could be the sort of stereotype and uh, caricature of the average detached yogi. So that is all essentially unhealthy aparigraha, from my opinion and understanding. So aparigraha means Apari and Graha. Graha is grasp. And if you follow my astrology podcast, Quiet Mind Astrology, you know that Graha is actually the name for the planets in Sanskrit. So they don't say planets, they say Grahas. Graha has like a hold. It's a hold on an energy, a quality, and each planet is a Graha. The sun has a hold on certain qualities. Saturn has a certain hold and grasp on qualities. And when that planet comes around and affects us in the transits, there's a certain pull in that direction of those qualities. Aparigraha is to not grasp, to be able to let go. This doesn't mean that we never grab on though. And this is maybe where the misconception comes in, that it's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have luxury. It's okay to have goals. 
It's okay to have an identity and a healthy sense of ego and who you are and how you help others. In fact, I would say it's potentially causing more harm by not having those things, by not following your purpose. Imagine someone like Gandhi, who had such a huge positive impact on the world, saying, you know, I'm gonna just going to detach from this whole thing happening in the government and oppressing my entire country. I'm just going to detach from that and do my own thing and uh, sort of avoid that. Right. So instead, he was detached from the result, detached from using violence. He was practicing ahimsa. That's his words, nonviolence, non-harming. He was following these practices. And he led a nonviolent revolution to create the change that was most of service to his country. And that is following the Dharma, following your path. There's a reason that you were born. And if you just say, I'm just going to be detached from anything I don't like, and just say, well, I'm just not going to grasp onto that. I'm going to be, I'm going to practice this Aparigraha thing. You know, I don't feel like paying my phone bill. I don't feel like uh, in getting involved in this thing, right? So there's a degree of that that can be that sort of unhealthy expression of this. Now, at the same time, you can have a healthy expression of this, of knowing where to draw the line of, you know, I, I don't need to be involved in every single political debate just because the media is amplifying it and blaring it in the face of everybody all the time. It doesn't mean I have to chime in and take a side. And in fact, sometimes that is just being manipulated and not following your dharma. And your dharma maybe says, you know, go here, do this thing, serve people in this way. And you have these gifts to serve people in this way. And in fact, if you're just getting pulled and pushed around by everything external, you're not going to be able to fulfill that dharma. So the aparigraha, the detachment comes not in saying, you know, I'm just going to eschew responsibilities, but in saying, I'm going to basically feel what's in alignment for me and follow my dharma as best I can. And when something just is not working and there's constant resistance and struggle and suffering and it feels like I'm really holding on and gripping to this result and trying too hard and trying to make things happen and I feel tense in my body when I do it, now it's the time to stop grasping so hard and let go of that that sort of efforting. It's too much stira now and find more sukha and ease and more ability to soften and let go. And trust that essentially following the path of least resistance. And the image that comes to mind for me is this creek by my place that I, I walk by in the mornings. And there's rocks along the creek so that the water doesn't just immediately rush out and, and stop flowing and dry up. There's these rocks that slow the flow of water. And then the water just molds itself around the rocks and changes its course a little bit, but it's still going in the same general direction. And then there's another rock further down the creek and it just molds around that rock and keeps flowing and doesn't get stopped anywhere. So that aparigraha is essentially, you know, this wouldn't really happen in nature, but it's like the water is flowing down the stream, it hits a rock and it just stops there and says, I must get through this rock and this rock has to move for me to keep moving. And that's when we get stuck on maybe ideologies or ideals or things that we think this has to be this way and I'm going to make it happen, I'm gonna make it work and push against something. And that sort of Carl Jung phrase of what we resist persists. So if we're just keep butting our heads against that thing, it's going to make that thing equally strong and resist us and that happens very much internally. And we sort of fight the things like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. I shouldn't feel this way. 
and a yogi should be X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to hold on to that ideal of what I should be and fight against myself and shame myself for the way I feel or doubt myself. Instead, we could say, okay, I'm flawed. I'm human. I have fears. I have insecurities. I have weaknesses. I have dark sides. I have, I have blind spots. And that's not going to stop me from doing my practices. It's not going to stop me from trying my best and following my dharma as best I can. So we're not so attached to the way it should look and what it should be. And in the yoga postures, knowing that some days you know you might not be as flexible as the day before or as strong as the next day. And there's going to be times where our bodies just don't have it and we're not what we expected of ourselves. And do we take that opportunity to beat ourselves up and say, I should be this way or my yoga practice should look this way or really hold on too firmly to those ideals and goals. But can we stay in alignment with our dharma and still have this sort of easy flowing nature like the river, like the creek where the water just adapts to the environment? Okay, I can't quite go straight on this way, so I can just move a little to the right and then I'm back on track. And I don't need to fight against this opposition. I don't need to fight against this resistance and say I have to go exactly straight like this. I can say, I just go a couple inches to the right and then I'm back on track and I can adapt and adjust as needed. And that's a parigraha, physically in the body. This is one of my favorite practices to work with when I teach is noticing where the tension is held. Like often it's in the shoulders, the stomach. There's Everyone has their things, right? The hips, the hamstrings. So finding those areas of tension and in a way, my sort of psychosomatic understanding of what's happening is the body has felt an emotion at some point. And emotion is energy in motion. It wants to move through us. The anger, the fear, the shame, the guilt, happiness, joy, elation, all of these feelings are coming and moving through us all the time. Every day there's feelings moving through us to the degree that we allow them. And then to the degree that we don't allow them, we create tension. And the body tenses up and holds on to that energy instead of letting it move in motion. And that becomes tension. Most often it's stress, anger, frustration, just being tense and bound up. And very often there's patterns to this stress. And it, for me, it's often my shoulders and hamstrings. So I've got to be mindful of that and actively do things to release those stresses and actively notice when things trigger me and get me to feel that tension arise in my body. And what can I do to move that tension and create space for it to move through me? And is there a feeling that I'm repressing? And when I feel into my shoulders, what words come to mind? What images come to mind? What emotion, if, you know, just trying this on, if it were true for you, if it's true, it might not be true for you, but if it were true, is, is there an emotion that comes to mind? Can you think of a time, and, and it's often sort of, not as direct as I'm saying right now. You might say, All right, I'm just going to feel into my shoulders and just kind of feel this tension and really be with it. And maybe press a finger onto the tension and kind of press into it and really be with it. And when I do that, are there images that come to mind? Are there words or phrases? Is there some conversation or situation that comes to mind? In that case, I would suggest maybe that is the issue, the the place where we grasped, where we gripped on, our bodies tensed up, embraced for challenge and issues and conflict, and we weren't able to not grasp. We weren't able to let go and have a healthy ability to detach. 
So there's the uh, sort of anxious and avoidant and secure types that I mentioned before. The avoidant type is the one that I really talked about up front that kind of avoids responsibilities. And in that way, uh, that's sort of the unhealthy aparigraha. Then there's the anxious type, which is more of the grasping too much. The anxious attachment style, which is like in the relationships that shows up so much where some, there's almost always one person in a relationship that's more anxious and one who's more avoidant. And the anxious one will be constantly wanting affirmation and assurance and constantly texting and reaching out and saying, are you sure you feel this way? Are you sure you want to do this thing? Uh, and just constantly wanting affirmation and reassurance. And just, again, think of a child. And this is where this research comes from understanding children's attachment styles to their parents and then how it shows up later in life. So one thing I find helpful is just imagine we're all just big babies we're all just big whiny babies and we all have our poopy diapers and at times we try to do things to get someone to come change our diaper and feed us and take care of us because we're just big babies and it's okay right and and the more we think of that and the more we think this is not a logical rational person i'm having a conflict with this is just a big baby with a poopy diaper right and and that gives us more room for compassion and curiosity and understanding and to know you know what? I'm being a big baby here. I am the, I'm the one with the poopy diaper and I'm just waiting for someone to come take care of me. So it can play out that way as well. And you could be the anxious one. You could be the avoidant one. Uh, but you could also be the secure one. And the secure one is essentially more difficult. And as a child, that's having a very consistent caregiver and somebody who is very good at boundaries and responsibility and I mean, come on, who really has that? Who really had the perfect parent? It's kind of an ideal. Uh, it's not the most common situation, but we can be that secure, loving parent for ourselves and know when it's time to let go of things and move on and know when it's time to change our own poopy diaper for ourselves because we're also adults. We have that adult capacity. When we're triggered, when we're stressed, when things get stuck in our bodies, we become those scared little children who need caretaking and the caregiver from our youth is not going to come. That's just not going to happen. We're not in that phase of life anymore. But the caregiver that you are now can come and take care of you. And that's what I think is a healthy expression of the Saparigraha of saying like, hey, I see you know, that I am struggling here. There's something where I'm hitting resistance, where I'm feeling scared, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling avoidant, whatever it is. Uh, it's not secure. And I don't feel like I'm just confident. I don't feel like I'm brave, right? And that's the big thing with this research too, is the kids who have secure parents are more likely to take risks and more likely to grow and change and transform in their life because they have a secure base. So you can be your secure base that you can say, I have everything I need inside of me. I can give myself the care and love that I need when I need it. I can do self-care, I can take baths, I can do yoga practices, I can take a rest when I need to, I can work when I need to, and I can take good care of myself just like a parent, an ideal parent to my inner child would. And then when things get difficult and I feel the anxiety or the avoidance come up, I can notice, okay, you know, I'm hitting that wall where I'm uh, grasping onto something, something is stuck, I feel tense, I feel anxious, I feel avoided, whatever it is and meet that with curiosity, compassion, kindness, loving self-care. And that, I think, is a sort of 
extrapolation, my understanding from you know my work as a coach and working and studying relationships, been a relationship coach and just doing my own personal work, that's the sort of synthesis of the yoga philosophy with our modern understanding of attachment styles so that we can find a healthy attachment in ourselves and that will naturally carry out into our thoughts that we think day to day of knowing our limits of what is healthy and what is unhealthy for us and what we need to take care of ourselves. And then naturally that carries over into our relationships where we are able to take better care of ourselves. If something feels out of alignment in a relationship, we don't fight against it so much. And as soon as we notice, oh, I'm doing that thing, I'm fighting with this person, I'm getting anxious about them, I want to know what they're doing, I want to text them all the time, I feel like I have to immediately respond to this text and get into this big thing. Okay, slow down. The little baby inside of me is a little scared and worried. And what can I give myself to feel secure and be able to let go in a healthy way? Where I'm not gripping onto this person. I need this person to do this thing and then I'll feel good. We can't let this get bad. This needs to be perfect because we have this relationship and people see us this way and we have this thing, right? These are uh, maybe a little revealing thoughts about my psyche and the thoughts that go through my head. Maybe you've had the same ones and you have to sort of talk yourself off the ledge of, you know, maybe that's not true. Maybe it doesn't have to be perfect and just right. Maybe uh, I'm just gripping a little too much. Maybe I'm grasping a little too much. And we can notice when we're avoiding, we're just like, oh, that person, you know, they're so different. We're just different. Like we just have these differences. Like maybe we just shouldn't be friends or maybe we just shouldn't hang out. We're just so different. Right. And that's the, the detachment, the, the avoidance of just like, you know, maybe I just shouldn't deal with that. That person's toxic. I should just get away from them. And sometimes, yeah, that's true. But sometimes it's just the inner child that's scared and needs some inner security and doesn't need that person to do anything. Right. That person is there. They're themselves. That's not my job to manage them or what they do or say they're going to be them and that's okay. And I don't need to make them wrong for what they do or think. I don't need to say they're toxic or they're bad. I don't need to ask them to change and jump their hoops for me to feel secure. I can find my own inner security. Now, of course, in relationships, there needs to be that give and take. There needs to be dialogue. There needs to be uh, compromise and boundaries and clarity. And there are going to be times where you need to have those kind of conversations. And that's totally valid too. The main thing with a parigraha that was, we just want to notice that I tense up. Am I gripping? Am I avoiding? Am I anxious? And is there something that I need that I can give myself? Then if I've given myself everything I need, I feel good. I feel secure in myself. And if something that feels off in the relationship, then I can ask, okay, is there an agreement we can make? Is there a boundary we can set? Do I need like, you know, just a couple of days to myself away from this relationship or interaction, right? And then it becomes you're a healthy adult who's taking care of your inner child and you're not dropping your inner child in their lap and say, it's got a poopy diaper, you take care of it, I'm out of here, right? I don't want to deal with this, right? So instead of that, we, we deal with our own inner work first and then we meet others from that place of wholeness. And then we don't get so bound up and attached and gripping to what they do or don't do because we've taken care of that in ourselves. So that's my rant on a parigraha. I hope you find it helpful. And in your yoga practice, just notice where you're gripping more than you need to, and maybe soften it a little bit, or notice and be curious, why am I gripping? What's going on here? Why is that coming up? And don't overanalyze it, don't worry about it. I mean, sometimes it's just not a big deal. But if it's persistent, maybe there's something there to look at. So next week on the podcast, we move into the niyamas, the things to do. So we get out of these don'ts and into the do's. 
and we'll start talking about the niyamas, which are first up is satya, contentment, contentment. And that is a really interesting topic, right? So how do we find inner peace? So I look forward to sharing more with you on that next week. If you're enjoying this podcast, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend. Post it to your Instagram stories. I love hearing your experience. What stood out to you? What is helpful to you? If there's something you want to learn more about yoga as a budding yoga teacher or new yoga teacher, what would be helpful for you? I'd love to hear. And thank you for listening and have a great rest of your week.